Welcome to the 4A Music Podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Alexandria. I'm Amy. On this week's pod, Christopher Azera on creativity and music, Spotify's algorithmic bias, yet another New York City jazz club closes, new music, and more. Before we get into it, just a quick reminder that our book club book for this month is The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galloway. So if you want to read along with us this month, check out that book, The Inner Game of Tennis. We'll see you all in, it's like June 12th or something like that, right? Is when we're doing Yes. Very yes. Um, so before we get into the newsletter, what's new? Oh, Charlie, you stole mind. my mind. You stole I know, my I'm mind. Just, I'm just going for it. Do you want to say it too? Yeah. What's new? What's on your mind? <laughs> oh, hey. Um, well, this week I've just been feeling a lot of refreshed gratitude for um, mothers, caregivers, guardians. Um, Mother's Day was yesterday. Today is Monday that we're filming this. Um, and I, I'm also a nanny currently. Um, so I spend a lot of time with the same family doing caregiving roles and it's just like, it's just kind of reframing my parents for me. And I also in this post and when I've been talking about it, I always feel the need to kind of like say that I understand that every family is different. There's like a lot of stuff that comes up with this because there's just a ton of different types of situations and like ways that children are brought up and just like shit that goes down in families. So, but in my experience, both of my parents were like so present every step of the way. And now that I'm on the adult side of a childhood, it's like exposing what that really means. Cause I feel like I had appreciation for them in like, Oh, they, you know, like I got to do the activities I wanted and they came to those things and I felt like I could talk to them about stuff. And but um, there was like an incident in nannying where I had to kind of like handle a situation and I was feeling nervous, but I had to just like quiet all of it because the kid is like a child and doesn't need any of that because he's also like, what's going on? Like, I don't know. Um, And I hadn't really thought about that. Like when I went through stuff as a kid, I was never like, I wonder what how my mom's doing with this. Like, is she okay? Or like, is my dad like worried? I just never thought about that kind of thing. So this Mother's Day, I'm just I feel that I have like a different appreciation for parents and caregivers and just like humans who take care of other humans. I've heard that from other parents to be kind of like, I don't want my kids worrying about things you know like basically like that's like a big part of it seems to be a big part of the thought process yeah yeah or even when like the feeling of i have no idea how to handle this you can't say that to a kid yeah you really can't i mean you could in some situations (laughs) no you can i guess like for me i'm speaking about like like emergency-esque situations that have to do with their well-being where they are not like it's happening to them. So it's like your job is like, get it done, get like, take the steps, get them safe kind of thing. Where in your brain, you're like, "Ah." (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I think in like a a two, like mother's day, father's day, like makes me think about in, in context of, of like being a musician, just, just like all the silly stuff, just like going to concerts that are just like horrible and weird and chaotic and, um, I was thinking about my mom, like driving me to piano lessons as a kid and then just like sitting outside and like waiting until they're done, yes. you know, like that kind of stuff before they were like cell phones or anything. She just kind of yeah. like sat there just like wow. looking around for like a half an hour. <laughs> oh my God. Every totally. I know yeah. my mom changed and she changed her job so that she could be more present in like our lives because my brothers and I were very active we did we did too many things but she was like I need to change my lifestyle so that I could be present in my child's life and I was like that's a huge huge thing to like be like yep I'm changing my career path here we go yeah it's like dang 
the sacrifices that they have to make in order for us to feel like we can be a child. Right. Not all children can be children. I think that's like the thing that I am also realizing, like this is obviously speaking about like a safe and like comfortable childhood. Yeah. Like how horrible is it too that kids have to become adults too soon too, yeah. but just like recognizing the sacrifice that it takes from a human to provide like a safe, stable, yeah. comfortable childhood as best they can, given that so many things happen in life. Well, yeah. And another thing that makes me think of too, like all the, um, all the mothers that are musicians, you know, that are like trying to tour, trying to do other things. And um, yeah. And just like, I don't know, there's still, there's a lot of work to do in American society in particular, just for, just to support parents in general, support mothers in general, but like, yeah. especially, especially musicians, it's just like, you know, we talked about unionizing, like the union kind of stuff last, last week on the pod. It was just like, um, really, there's just so much work to be done mm-hmm. yeah. to make that like a sustainable thing to give people, to give people more support. That's yeah. Hard. I can't imagine. Yeah. Shout out to mothers. Shout out to mothers. Happy Mother's Day. Just a few days late, but yeah, <laughs> it's Mother's Day all year round. Yeah. Um, uh, Alexandra, what what have you been thinking thinking about this week? What have you been up to? So, like Charlie, we finished out our school year. Woo! Dun, dun. And I had to do a lot of audition, like auditioning situations. And it was interesting to be on the other side of that and to see, I think like because I'm still fresh out of school, I guess, like I still empathize a little more with the students, like seeing them be super nervous because in some juries, like there are only three or four people, but in Berkeley's juries, you're playing with professors as like their your rhythm section. So sometimes there's seven professional musicians that are all and there and you're just like hi i am a second semester student and i'm playing in front of these seven professional people and that is very nerve-wracking and i feel like um there should i've been thinking like there should be some type of training or something with adjudicators in terms of making a comfortable space for the student sometimes like they're like Yes, we should be so professional. I remember like at some other schools, like you can't even smile. You can't even like say nod and acknowledge that that was good. You have to be like next. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's just so cold after like someone is just like it's probably a very nerve wracking situation. They just try to perform their best after doing a whole school year worth of preparation. And they are also doing other stuff like they have other finals going on. Like so creating ways in which creates a like comfortable environment for the student to come in and you know perform but have the ability to perform at their best so that they're not feeling like this person is adding pressure so like saying welcome to this place like i can't wait to hear you play this is going to be amazing and smile at them you know things like that hmm. feel like it gets lost a lot of the time it is funny how quickly people forget like what it was like to be a student or a young person or whatever that, that, that thing is. That's, that's kind of come up a lot this week too in a similar way. I think I, I think I started very like, um, like very reserved in auditions or in juries because I thought like, Oh, I don't, I don't really want to, I, I like, I don't want to be distracting. I don't want to communicate my feelings about this either way, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, if you're kind of like, yeah, that was great. And then it was like, not great or something like that. <laughs> that feels disingenuous. Um, but I, th- I think like, I definitely have changed a lot and I'm like much more like I will, I will vibe with like what's going on. I try to find like something positive. I try to like, be you know just kind of like very as as chill as a, about it as I possibly can in those yeah. situations. As cool as a cucumber. It's cool. I don't know. As cool as I'm capable of being, I suppose. But 
Yeah. yeah but even, it's hard, it's yeah. hard enough, right? Yeah. Even saying thank you. Like, thank you for coming and sharing with us today. Or I don't know. It just feels like some one of the adjudicators I were, was with, they'll just go, okay, you're done. Next. And I'm just like, jeez. Like, yeah, these it, are people. Yeah. Like, not some type of person that you just, like, knock off after they tried to show you that they're good enough to be here. Right. Also, if there's, like, a rubric happening and you can, like, give feedback that way. I feel like there's no need to like hard ass people <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like it could, it seems to me that the environment could be made more comfortable by any type of way. I don't know, like offering a snack when they're done or like, like, do you need a drink of water? How are you feeling? Like, is your setup cool? Like just being an ally for the person, because then you yeah. can like give them the feedback on the thing. Like you can be, you can say all the, I don't know, you yeah. know? Exactly. I don't know. I remember growing oh, up. Those like, are hard. Do you remember your first audition? Yeah, definitely. Was it like a uh, inviting environment? It was theater. So and through school. Mm. So. No, like, no, I've never felt that it's like inviting. I'm sure like they were nice. I was pretty young, but it was always like the table at the back of the room and they have like their stuff and it's sort of like. I don't know. I I've never loved auditions, honestly. Me neither. Yeah. Was but I remember my first one. I think I was like five. Good. Oh, that's younger than I was. Wow. But the guy was so Ben Butler. He was so nice. He's like, yeah, we're just gonna play some scales. Oh. I'm like, okay, Mr. Butler. And he's like, all right, can you play your F scale? And I was like, I think so. And he's like, oh, great. Okay, next one, B flat. And I'm like, okay. Wow. A five. That's amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. Guys, it was one octave. Don't even. No, but like, but just to like make it a little less like, um, you're doing a open heart surgery right now. Like that's how people act sometimes. Yeah. You're like, damn, I just like I'm trying to sing some changes over here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always just trying to sing some changes. <laughs> some changes. There, I just think some changes. Oh gosh, Charlie, what's up? <laughs> Sorry, I'm so bad at the transition things. It's tough. Charlie. Yeah, it's me. I'm Charlie. Um, hey. Yeah, I mean, similar for me. It's end of the school year, so I'm. It's always kind of like uh, it's kind of mixed. It's always mixed sort of vibes at the end of the school year because a lot of the end of the school year stuff is like really cool. You get to like hang out with colleagues and see people. And it's like, there's a lot of like celebration stuff. And then it's just kind of like, then you're kind of like, well, you're done, go away. And it's like, oh, okay. And, um, and like for me, my, my, like the, the wheels and stuff are still turning at like the same speed. Like I'm kind of going at the same like speed or whatever, but then there's just no, there's like no road underneath me. And I'm just like, <laughs> wait that's a perfect way to explain it <laughs> oh my gosh so just kind of spinning a little bit but it's but it's really nice and um you know i think i think like no matter how things go every every school year finished is just like a huge win it just is a huge yeah. accomplishment and it's it's really impossible for me at least as you're going through it to kind of fully um Un, like see and have per, like perceive all the things that are happening, all the things that you're doing, all of the hard things that you're overcoming, all of like the, you know, the great moments. And, um, and so you get to kind of the end of the school year and you're like, what was that? Like what even happened? Um, yeah. I try, I try to like reflect, I've done this a couple of different ways. Like I've, I've done like, uh, here's a list of all the things I've done this year. I, I did that, um, like during the, that first year during the pandemic, because I was like, I was like feeling really spooky. You know, like I graduated from school, but it was like, I didn't see any of my friends. It was like all over. And it was just like, and so I was like, I, I does, it all feels like a dream. And so I was like, I need to make a, I'm going to, I saw someone do that on Instagram or something. I've seen like that. that. I want to try that. So I just like started making a list and, and that, that was actually really kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great year. It's been a great year. And I want to say congrats to to both of you, you know, for your first year in New York too. Right? And like your first 
kind of Amy, your first year out of school, right? Being a college graduate and Alexandria for your first year teaching at Berkeley. Yeah. That's also, it's also crazy. Um, life's happening also fast, but yeah, but I'm excited for summer. There's, uh, there's like a new Zelda video game out. So I've been playing that <laughs> and that's awesome. It's like very, it's very dorky, like very connects me to like my being a child again. And um, yeah, it's nice outside. Yes. Looking up. Yes. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Rock and, rock and roll. Should we get into the newsletter? Let's do it. So first up, Amy, what do you got for us this week? I've got an interview um, with my father, uh, Christopher Azera. We featured his TED Talk like months ago, um, which kind of was the catalyst for interviewing him. And it was fun because I'm like around his stuff. Like I, I have consumed some of it myself by like going to his classes or watching his videos or whatever. But it was really nice to just actually talk to him and like kind of address some of the stuff, both like how it affects me personally and then just to hear him talk about it um, directly, if that makes sense. Um, and so the interview, basically like a lot of what he focuses on is um, putting creativity at the center of teaching and learning music. And um, he's very interested in how you learn to improvise. Um, and one thing that I appreciate is that it sort of transcends genre. So he teaches people of all the genres. So he does play piano and loves jazz. Um, but he is he spends time just like really in music. Like he um, to me has kind of like a grounded perspective in that he's checking out like Bach and other people and like the jazz stuff and the folk stuff. Like he definitely just is a musical guy and that translates into his work and his um, experiences with people. So that's inspiring to me uh, just because I feel like it takes away some of the the uh, improvisation, like fear vibe. Like people are like, I can't improvise. He's like, yes, you can. <laughs> um yeah. So we just had a good talk and it's on our YouTube channel when this will come out. Please check it out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Every time that someone, um, I'm sure you get it a lot, but like whenever I say I live with Amy Azera, they're like, oh my gosh, this is her dad. This is Zara. Like this class like changed my life. And I'm just like, dang, I love, I'm living with the legend. <laughs> So no, he definitely has that effect on people. Even when we were working at um at like community arts program and the curriculum that we they were using, it was kind of based on what your dad has been teaching on, which is like developing like sound before was it theory. theory? Yeah. So like or sound before sight, sight is like yeah. the the real name for it. So like playing like a major like a major triad and then saying, Oh yeah, what feelings are associated with this for you? And then, like, maybe, you know, down the road, they're like, oh, yeah, this is a major chord. Rather than saying, like, a major chord is happy, because not all major chords are happy, but identifying, like, really the intervals within a major triad that whatever, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. Like, it came full circle. That's sweet. He likes to use the dog analogy for that, where, like, you could learn how to spell dog, but if you've never, like, pet a dog or, like, been talking to a dog like it doesn't really have any meaning mm -hmm. just knowing that it's spelled d-o-g you're like dog okay <laughs> huh? yeah yeah it's very cool i mean like it some of it so, some of this on this on the surface obviously i i'm super excited to see the interview in in its entirety but some of it feels a little bit like suzuki method in a way although that's like not necessarily coming at it from like a, a creative way <laughs> like that's like learning things by rote but like learning things by ear and by like seeing your teacher play it versus like reading the 
reading things on the book. You know, I think about like how I learned music in a lot of ways to start. And it was like the person plops down the book in front of you. They're like, here you go. And you're like, okay. I'm like, are we going to play today? Like, nope. We're just going to go through the first few pages of the book. And it's like, oh. And I kind of get why people do it. I think it's because they're lazy. <laughs> Honestly, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so much easier to just throw a book down and be like, here's the method. And it takes so much patience to kind of like come at come at learning music from this way or like learning any, anything from this way, like um, Socratic method. You know, yeah. that whole analogy of the dog, that that kind of in some ways is, comes from like the Play-Doh thing of like the analogy of the cave of like seeing the shadow versus seeing the actual thing yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, and the Socratic method thing is like, you know, it's been proven for, I don't like thousands of years, I guess, at least yeah. like hundreds of years or something that it's like that, that's kind of this really deep way of learning, but it's, it's exhausting from the teacher point of view. It's just really easy to be like, here you go. This is the answer. Memorize it. Like do it again. Yeah. Like re we're going to do it repetition. Um, and it's, it's funny to me, like how many, how many um, teachers think they're teaching by Socratic method, but actually they're just like teaching by rote. <laughs> like mm. I had a conversation with a, with a faculty member that I was um, supervising once. And I was like, I just, you know, I think what I'd like to see is like a little bit more of a kind of like Socratic method, sort of like creative way of going like experiential way of like going about, uh, you know, um, exploring this material with their students. And they're like, I can't believe you would say that. That's like, that's my whole thing is about Socratic method and, <laughs> and, you know, construct like creative problem solving and all this kind of stuff. And, and I was just like, crit and critical thinking. And I'm like, you like, no. And like what they were talking about was like in a sight reading class, if you sing the same eight bar melody, every day then that's on the final that same eight bar melody then they like learn it and i'm like they're not even reading it by then <laughs> oh i was like what i'm talking about it's just like but it's it's kind of there's there are a lot of these um buzzwords that people throw around like uh, mm -hmm. you know obviously creativity creative thinking socratic method but your, your your dad um walks the walk for sure yes so he it's, does. So, it's so cool yeah that's yeah I think he has tried to do that too is like just come up with a way that's not like sometimes people talk about like with these all the methods like people end up hating each other <laughs> so he kind of like like a lot of the work is is based on the like Gordon's stuff Edwin Gordon's stuff uh, and like music learning theory and all this stuff um, but you like again that's another example of all of these labels that are stopping the actual music making so I really think like he's created my dad has crafted kind of like a way to like talk about it and learn about it in a way that that really prioritizes musicianship and music at the center yeah. of it instead of like all of this you know well this guy said and blah, blah. <laughs> yeah how are they going to learn anything about music if they don't know how to read music? <laughs> what? I've heard people say that stuff before. Really? Oh, it's yeah. so bad. Yeah, I've heard that stuff before. Yeah. They yeah. need to sight reading first. I mean, like, yeah. why is theory the first thing in all these curriculums? You know, it's like first year, year of every conservatory uh, degree is like, is two years of theory. And yeah. I was like, they haven't even had, they haven't even heard anything yet. They haven't even played anything totally. yet, really, you know? And like they have to dig into like the nuts and bolts. Like they've never driven a car. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And you're like, here's the engine, it's all pulled apart. Here's seven different engines. But and you like, have such a good point about like it takes I think it just takes a lot of um commitment on the teacher's end to examine their own musicianship and try to understand things, you know? And then, like, be able to to pass it on in a way. It's hard. It's tricky. Sounds pretty tricky. Sounds yeah. pretty tricky to me. Sounds pretty tricky, man. Man. Very cool. Well, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see the video. Yeah. Yay! Great. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, our next A was something I wrote about, and it's it's, it's shockingly 
it's very nerdy. It's about technology. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's about me being upset about it or nervous about it, but also kind of excited. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so this is Spotify's, our, our second A was Spotify's algorithmic bias. Um, so I, uh, Spotify is a huge deal. Over 180 million subscribers since, uh, is according to statistics from last year. Um, and I think a lot of reason, like a lot of the reason why Spotify is so popular are, are like its playlists, like it's kind of curated playlist yeah. sort of situation. By the way, I want to, I, I want to do like a whole thing about Apple music and how I think Apple music could get better. <laughs> Cause I think I'm, a, I'm an Apple music kind of, is it, is, is it Stan? Can you say Stan? Yes, yes. you can. Like, does that mean you're like a fan? Yeah, yes. that means you're okay. like intensely a fan. I don't know. I don't know how intensely a fan I am, <laughs> Like, but I'm a fan. I want it to do well, partly because like of how problematic Spotify is for not even these reasons that I'm about to talk about. But um, but like I want to do a whole thing about how Apple Music could get a little bit better. I think Spotify is like a lot better about being social, like being able to do like collaborative playlists and and all that kind of stuff. Although Spotify Wrapped, yeah, Spotify Wrapped is really that. cool. Apple Music tries to do that; it's just not as good. But um, there, there's also but but Spotify is getting kind of weird. I don't know if if you've all gotten like the updated Spotify app where it's like they're doing like the infinite scroll thing and like videos. So like they're trying to make it look like TikTok or Instagram, like when you open oh, no. Spotify now. What? So there's all this there's all this kind of stuff happening. But there was a recent video um, in from the Wall Street Journal that kind of like broke down the algorithm and like how the algorithm works to kind of create playlists. Some of this is stuff that we've actually talked about maybe a few months ago with uh, Ted Joya like wrote a post about how like old music is kind of dominating the streaming services that like that the music the music that's popular on Spotify and Apple Music and other things it's it's predominantly older music so things that's like uh, five years older or older and that that percentage is going up it's like in the eighty percentile or something of music that people listen to on on those services are are like basically old or classic kind of things um, but but basically. Um, I'll just kind of like go. I wrote, I wrote like way too much about this. <laughs> about this. We were just talking about that, but I'll I'll just break down like how this whole all works. So there's a couple there's a couple um, uh, algorithms. Algorithms are just kind of math equations or programs, right? They're just like computer programs that uh, take kind of data input and they like shoot out an answer. And so the the first thing that's in the the Spotify algorithm is something called collaborative filtering. And basically what this does is it looks at playlists that users are creating. And if if people put two songs in a playlist, it will it will start to group those together. So like you have your like um, party playlist or your holiday playlist or your jogging playlist or whatever. And you put two songs in a playlist and all of a sudden they've got like two things in common. And so it will start to, it will start to predict that if someone listens to this song, they might want to listen to this other song. That's also, that's also been grouped together in this playlist. And so that's, that's like user generated. Um, and basically what this does, cause it like creates a huge map of all the songs and kind of clusters songs together based on this data. That happened to me in the car the other day. Yeah, I, I clicked on my liked songs, like just my, which has like two thousand songs in it, and it started with musical theater. I was like, I'm mm, loving this. Every single song, this has never happened to me before, was musical theater. After that, the thing after from that. the liked song playlist, it was so weird. I was like, okay, good for them, I guess. Yeah, I was and, in the mood, and right, and this is kind of cool on its own, but it's not perfect because it because like this would make weird things. So the example that the journal talked about was. Uh, all I want for Christmas is you, the Mariah Carey song, and like a Bing Crosby recording of Silent Night would get grouped together, even though because those are going to be on like holiday playlists a lot. But but those songs are like really different in a yeah. lot of ways, <laughs> and <laughs> um, and like the vibe and the recording musically and stuff, they're all really the, the, those two songs are really different. So to try to solve for that kind of issue, they Spotify does this whole other level of analysis. Um, 
and they call this content-based fil filtering. Contest content-based filtering. It's an algorithm that collects all the metadata for a song. So this is like the release date, the record label, um, and then it executes a raw audio analysis. So it will do things like beat for beat. It will tell you what's like. It will tell you like what chords are playing, like what kind of mode the song is in. And then it like it rates each song based on like a, a, a tons of parameters. I I forget what it was. I thought it was like 120 parameters or something like that. Oh but my gosh. it might even be more. But it's things like how danceable the song is, the mode, how loud the song is compared to other things. Like gives it a rating in all these different things. And so it so it does the so it does all that metadata stuff. It it um, analyzes the audio and then it even like goes and compiles a cultural analysis for the song. So what? like, so it goes through the lyrics. It will also like do a scrape of the internet and search for like blog posts about the song or like what the song means. And it'll like kind of get some of that information and like try to group things together by the content of the song. So so th this is the other thing. And so these are the algorithms that are kind of at work. But so the messed up thing about algorithms, and this is true of all algorithms. This is true of like the social media algorithms on like TikTok and Instagram. This is true of like the Netflix or like um, Amazon Prime video algorithms that try to like predict what you're going to watch next and like give mm -hmm. you more of that. Um, these algorithms are created by humans. And so like, they're kind of inherently biased. Like there's no, at, at the end of the road of all these algorithms is like some, is like a group of people sitting down and writing this code. And they're deciding like, is this song danceable? Is this song not danceable? Mm. Like there, there's a subjective, it like, it seems objective because, oh, it's a computer doing spitting out numbers. But like at the core of it is like a subjective, are like subjective kind of creators. Wow. And so they try to make it better and better and better, but it's like, it's still, it still kind of gets messed up. It's still, there's still a lot of bias in the, in that situation because humans are just inherently biased. Um, and if you disagree with that statement, that's fine. <laughs> we'll talk about that <laughs> later. <clears throat> um, the, one of the researchers that I, I actually linked his, um, his paper uh, in that kind of talks about this in the, in the newsletter, he, he wrote a, a paper about this in like 2021, but he says this can mean speaking on the bias of this, of the algorithms, this can mean that a particular song catalog of music, um, a, a particular catalog of music has more male artists than female artists. And then one the danger of this machine learning is that as listeners start to engage with the catalog, those biases begin to be magnified and create what's called a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. So that it's like, oh, people are listening to the Beatles and the, and the algorithm is giving them more Beatles. And so everyone's listening to more Beatles. And so that means that they just feeds them more Beatles. Um, so Spotify says that it has research teams that evaluate and mitigate against potential algorithmic inequities and harms. But <clears throat> there's still a lot of concerns about all this, including the, <clears throat> the other major criticism is that the algorithm is not optimized for new artists because there's a lack of user data for new artists. So if a new artist comes out, new artist put out a new, a new, a new uh, album or, or song, there's just not user data to connect that song to other things. Um, this is called the cold start pro problem, the cold start problem. I feel like I'm giving a lecture, I'm sorry, but I'm very nerdy about this. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. That's the so, whole thing where like you can't put, if you put your first song out on Spotify, it won't get into any of the Spotify generated playlist, but once people have listened to it, then it can group it with other people and then it can be on another Spotify generated playlist, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's confusing. Like it, it has to have other points of things that it's like glommed onto before it, you know? So that's why it's like, it is actually helpful for people to put, if they hear a new song, they like to like put it in a playlist because like yeah. that will kind of start to create some these connections but then, then we start to like game the system and it, it's like all that it all becomes kind of gross in the same way that people like optimize for google search or something by putting yeah. like saucy keywords into things <laughs> it's just <laughs> like it stops meaning anything but um so spotify actually uses human editors to try to solve this so like for like new songs and stuff but again then we're back to like human 
people, this is like the gatekeeper thing, like radio DJs, A&R reps, all this kind of stuff. Like this is supposed to, this was supposed to be what we were supposed to be getting past with like streaming and the internet. It was like, oh, we don't need the gatekeepers anymore. Like you don't need to like whatever. Mm -hmm. But But anyway, so there's a lot more going on. And then the cherry on top is something just specifically for Amy. Spotify is also investing now heavily in other sorts of um, AIs, including this like AI DJ no. that that will like be like, "Hey Amy, I saw that you liked that tune by by blah by whatever." Oh. <laughs> Here's another song by them that's burning up the charts, and it's like oh, a little no. blob that like talks to you. No, like, it just it's like it's just AI Chat GPT like kind of writing dialogue based on the based on the thing it's it's like they're like going all in and so besides the bias and and the algorithms and just kind of i think it's good to know about this stuff as a musician but like but like i think the other part of this that that i was thinking about was like no wonder they can't pay the artists at all because like they're paying all these software engineers like computer (laughs) engineers to like write all this code and like have all these servers to like run all these all this AI and all that kind of stuff and it's like of course <laughs> no wonder like musicians are making like micro micro pennies yeah, yeah. and th- even the sound quality on Spotify is subpar like you listen to something on Apple Music in your headphones it sounds way better like the new Terry Lynn album sounds terrible on Spotify but it sounds amazing on Apple Music it's like, come on, bro. Like, is it really about listening for you at that point? It's I'm not, though, because I don't I didn't follow this up. But the CEO, like something leaked of him basically saying like he doesn't give a shit about artists. He was like, that's not the point. I forget what he what the point was. LOL. I blocked that part out. But there's something he leaked that was basically like, yeah, not the point. Oh my right. gosh. And then they're they're playing to podcasts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you look at these yeah. like podcasts, podcasters that are getting like hundred million dollar deals to be on Spotify. And then it's like, okay. (laughs) And then everyone, all the musicians that, you know, are whatever. But even nowadays, right? Musicians can pay Spotify in order to be put onto these playlists. I have, um, let me just, mm, no. Okay, so a couple of my friends have been like the face of like the fresh finds, like fresh jazz. Like, I'm just like, why is it the same three people on the cover of this freaking Spotify playlist? Like, can we pick someone else? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not so are... fresh anymore. <laughs> no, pick yeah. someone else. Stop picking the people that are that whose execs are paying you the money to put them as the cover. Like, pick someone else. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I, Use Apple Music or Tidal. <laughs> I always feel so fake because I fully have Spotify. I do too. I, I was an Apple Music like stan like Charlie. And then oh my God. I was talking to non-musicians. This is where I messed up. And they're like, oh my gosh, Spotify, Spotify. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to use Spotify. And now I'm just... But it's also addicting. Like they do make good playlists. The playlists are really good. Yeah. I think if Apple, if Apple made better like... Cur- Part of it is like the curated playlists. I think just yeah. on like Spotify are better too. Like it's not even the algorithmic. I actually never really did a lot of this. Like I never really let Spotify play the next song for me. You know, I was always kind of like, I want to choose the thing. I want to mm-hmm. choose the playlist that's like I can see all the songs already that are in the playlist. You know, that it's like curated. Spotify is just way better at that. I the yeah. curated playlists on Apple Music are just whoever's doing all that. They all just need to be fired. Just fire all of them. <laughs> Just get new people. And we need to build in a cl- collaborative playlist, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the sounds better. I mean, I have both now, just Same. because partly just because of teach for teaching. But I like listen on Apple Music, and I use Spotify kind of as like a okay. I'm going to go plug this in over here, and then I'm going to send a link to my students in both, so that they have both or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think like the thing is, is Spotify is going to be a probably going to be a player you know in the future of this and so it's like i i want to i want us to engage with them and try to make all this stuff better yeah but i i don't know it's um it's problematic in in a lot of ways and i think it's just important to like to maybe not just like keep piling on necessarily but to be like hey i thought this was kind of interesting too like how this all worked i learned a lot about this um all, all the different ways that 
like it's just amazing that all of this is possible and i would love to like i would love to see what like for my music i would love to see what like the content like the what the raw audio analysis said like how danceable are these whales yes <laughs> how danceable is like the for a music theme danceable <laughs> It's a 10 out of 10 on the dance. <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, so uh, yeah, that's that's Spotify. Um, Alexandria, what was your A this week? Even to get further down the darker situation, um, Cafe Bohemia, another jazz club, closes. Ha ha ha. Again. Again. It was wow. open and then it closed and then it was reopened and then closed again. Um. I didn't really know about Cafe Bohemia until like someone texted me. Oh my gosh, seeing this person at Cafe Bohemia, and I said, "Huh." Um, <laughs> but um, West Village is kind. It's located in the West Village, um, and the West Village is kind of iconic right now in terms of jazz. It houses Blue Note. It has it houses Village Vanguard, Mazaro, Smalls. So it's a bunch of you know music happening in like not that many blocks. Um, so I'm, uh, it's, I think it's been harder for other jazz clubs to open up because of like competition with those other clubs, but, um, this Cafe Bohemia first opened up in 1955 and, um, the, it serves as like a home base for artists such as Miles Davis, Kenny Dorham, Art Blakey, the Cannonball Brothers, or the Cannonball Brothers, at the Adderley brothers played there. Oscar Pettiford played there. Apparently Bird, before he, you know, sadly passed away, he was living right across the street and frequented the, the club a lot. Um, and then unfortunately in 1960, like it closed, I'm guessing again due to funding and people not going in there, which is crazy in the peak of jazz that it closes. But even Coltrane played there. Um and then I think this was like during the time of gay rights or something, because then apparently like that place became the hangout spot for a lot of people of the LGBTQ plus community, um, specifically the L's. Lesbians. Great. And they're like, this is a place to go. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the L's. I was sending her coded language out to everybody. L's. If you know, you know. <laughs> um. And then eventually in 1990, it turned into the Barrow Street Ale House. Um, and it was like this cool, funky bar that was like full service doing its thing. And then they're like, oh, we have this basement. And so in 2019, they actually relaunched the jazz club in the basement of the Ale House. That's rough times. That's rough timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pandemic, yeah. So, um, they're like, oh, yeah, now's the time to reopen. And they briefly closed in 2020. But the club has, like, great vibes. Like, it's one of those underground cave-like situations. It has great um, sound. They have, like, actually a good sound person. They have great drinks. It's not too big of a room, which is nice because it you can, like, get it fully packed for people like Dana Stevens and Jeff Tane. But also you can get a fully packed room for like the younger talent that's also been there. Um, and so I don't know. It, it served as a place, at least from what I know since I moved here, for people to really take time and experiment and do new projects there. And Tane was literally getting paid for us to see him rehearse like a new group. But it was kind of cool to see how Tane functioned in, as a leader and learning from that. Um, and then also seeing young people have a chance to like work with like masterful people in, in our industry at this place. Um, so sadly, again, they're closing May 27th, get out there while you can. They have like a crazy lineup, um, these last few weeks, but I'm just kind of mad that the sustainability of jazz clubs is kind of especially in New York where it's supposed to be like the, the buff and spot mm -hmm. that there are so few. Yeah. Like everyone's just obsessed with like smalls. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, cool. Smalls. Don't get me wrong. Iconic. Like 
Thank you, Roy. I, but I've heard since Roy Hardgrove passed that like Smalls hasn't been the same mm. and that the culture is just drastically different. But it's like ornithology is hanging on. Thank you. And Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like trekking an hour and a half to go to a jazz club. Um, but I don't know. It's just interesting to see it dying out. I wonder if it's like a mirror of jazz dying out. I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Like when I when I lived in New York, I remember having very similar conversations with people. Like, oh, this club is closing. Is jazz dead? <laughs> like. <laughs> I remember when I, when I was writing for like all about or, uh, or about.com and we had like a j- the jazz page or whatever. And I was like, I was writing like, is jazz dead? And my <laughs> editor was like, stop writing these articles. It's so dumb. It's like, <laughs> I was like, okay. But it, um, I mean, 55 bar was, was kind of my version of this, I think in some ways. And that place, that place just closed like yeah. fall. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I do think some of this stuff is complicated because sometimes these places close and it's just like some sort of weird relationship politics thing. You know, whoever the owner was like doesn't want to do it anymore. It's it 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 can be a it can be a sign of a bigger trend, or or it can just be, you know, most restaurants fail. Yeah. Anyways, you know. That's true. The ale house is still open. Ale house kicking butt. <laughs> But you gotta have ale. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just not have ale. (laughs) It's just like I want someone like in our generation to have the audacity to open up a jazz club. Yeah, damn. Like I'm tired of like these sorry, Charlie, older white men like opening up jazz clubs and but like Charlie, if you opened up a jazz club, like it would be so good. Um, <laughs> I don't have the kind of money. I mean, like, the, there's a thing too where it's like musicians don't generally run these things. If they do, it that can be hard too. Because I mean, that's a yeah. very different skill set. Yeah, you know, owning owning a a venue like that, I think, is is tough. Yeah, that's true. I don't even if it's at someone's house. I don't know. Just like I feel like. These older, like, don't get me wrong. I love the historical venues. Like, if I got to play at the Vanguard, I would just, like, lose my shit. Um, But I think there should be more spaces that don't seem so inaccessible for people like me or Amy that just moved out here and are trying, they want to have a show. Like, it shouldn't feel like it's so hard to get. Or Yeah. mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah, we were saying, like, Well, I had been saying that part of the challenge of this chapter is that I have no idea how to lay the groundwork because you can do anything. Like, I have a lot of goals that feel like the next step. Like, once you have this much credibility, then you can play at these places. But it's like this section. Sorry, this is an odd like audio platform. I'm like holding up my fingers. But the first section of a career is hard to build because you can do any like it's it can look like anything, I think. Mm-hmm. And in this city, sometimes it's still like word of mouth and going out to jams and all this. And it's just like, at what, po- at what point do I like I've been if you've been here for two to five years and you've been going out to the jams and you still haven't, you know, been able to play at some of the clubs. It's like, OK, bro, not to be dark on the New York scene, because like I'm still fresh. We're still fresh, but it just would be nice to have a place where like Cafe Bohemia where people can, it's accessible for people who just moved here or like still trying to get on their feet and like be able to play it in a space. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And some of like the, I think some of it is that the ceiling is so high that it it's just like overwhelming sometimes maybe yeah. for me. That's part of it, which I wanted that. So you wanted it, you got it. Hey, yo. <laughs> But it is like it is hard when there's like it seems like there's like a big belt of places that operate on a certain thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I totally. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It's like that idea of like having having as many on ramps to the to the highway or something as possible. Yeah. And it's just like all the different levels of clubs, you know, all the different levels of places to play. I think 
the thing I think about all the time and the thing I think I lament the most that is that I'm that I'm bummed that has changed is this like that it's hard if you're a young musician, it's hard to play as much as you want to play. Like it's hard, it's hard to play every night, which is yeah. like what a lot of like what a lot of the backbone of this stuff is. And there are some there are some people that just have certain situations where it's like they're around a bunch of people that want to play all the time and there's a house that they can play in or something. It's kind of like the quest love thing with like Neo Soul or whatever. And it's just as like they're just everyone's around and everyone's playing together in the house all the time, you know, and it's like a thing or it's like if you're the Beatles and you're like you play in that club all like for eight hours a night, every night, like seven days a week, you know, and or going on tour with the big bands and all that kind of stuff or whatever that is. And it's like um, it's tough because it's like if you live in an apartment, can't make a lot of noise or whatever or, you know, like these people that just feel like they're on their own somewhere um but but like you said amy there's like yeah there's just infinite ways it seems that people are kind of like getting things going um but yeah i just like i in my whole life i've never played as much as i wanted to play you know yeah and it's rehearsing but it's also performing it's like all of it just playing as much as you know just there's never been a time where i've been like I'm playing too much or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Besides school for me. Same. I think I, we were talking That's about a this the vibe, other day. Though. That's yeah. a Oh, vibe. completely. Right. It's like if you sing choir every day, you're singing in like a vocal ensemble every day, or you're playing in the orchestra or whatever you're doing. That's different than like, I'm playing with my band. Yeah. I'm playing my No, music. totally. And then making a living. That's the biggest thing for me. Like I, yeah. In terms of the struggle of like the balance, if I'm gonna like pay my rent, yeah, I can't astronomical spend as much time as I, yeah as I that's would want. It, that's what playing. keeps it like sustainable too, right? Like that's what keeps people around, you know, making like, a living. Yeah, or just like like getting paid to do stuff, you know? right? Like you can get people to jam with you a couple times or something, and then it's like, well, when is the gig? And you're like, yeah, oh, totally. I, I just thought we just work some, st- we're just working stuff out, you know? It's like. When's the gig? <laughs> it's like I'll I'll come yeah. to the rehearsal or I'll come play more if there's and it's like okay, no, it gets okay. Tricky. I guess I should go find a gig, you know. And, but creating your own scene, my dad always says, create your own scene, yeah. which I think like is hard, but it inspires me to try to like literally make it myself. Like tried in the apartment. Okay, we got a noise complaint. Fine, where are we going next? And then like, yeah, I think the mon- monetizing part is hard because you do want to. Like, if I could just be paid to sing, that's, like, one of my biggest dreams. <laughs> I don't yeah. really mind the breakdown, I don't think, to an extent. But, like, singing for money would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although, the times that I've made the most amount of money playing music have been the times I've been, like, the most miserable playing music. You know what I mean? It's, like, all it's yeah. like all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, we'll pay you $1,000 to come sing this one song. And it's a horrible song. And it's yeah. it's in front of like the um, pharmaceutical company or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just like, okay, yes. that's horrible. And the, the best times I've had playing music have been the times I've lost money. You know, uh, I pay the great band and they're there and everybody is just killing it. And it's like, okay, I lost $200, but that was like the best thing I've ever done. You know, it's yeah. tough. It's tough creative music. We're learning how to do, make creative music. Yes. Yeah. It's all tough. It's all tough. It's not our, I think like, here's the thing though. It's not our fault. It's society's fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's it's why. The system, it's the system's fault. It's not. I'm fault. so big on like donors. I'm like, hey, yes. where are the rich people Sponsor. who appreciate <laughs> art? Yeah. 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 I love that model. I'm like down yeah. to clown. Patronage, right? <laughs> Sponsorships, please. We'll be like Bach and Beethoven yeah. and have patrons, kings and queens. Where are you at? Hit us up. <laughs> Literally. Speaking of kings and queens, new music this week. Dun, 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 dun. We got some new music this week. New music, new music. <laughs> um, so first new music this week uh, from Madison McFerrin, the, 
the family that's rocking the world, daughter of Bobby McFerrin, sister to Taylor McFerrin. Um, Madison McFerrin released her highly anticipated debut album, I Hope You Can Forgive Me, this past week. Um, Here it says, from the notes from uh, her Bandcamp page, uh, this says, the... Uh, the album represents an evolution in her career as she finds ways to improvise and self-produce in the midst of an ever-changing global pandemic landscape. Um, so I was reading some stuff. I didn't. I don't know much about her. I know a lot about Bobby McFerrin, huge fan. <laughs> I know I a little say. bit about Taylor. I've like listened to some of his some of his music. Um, I had not really heard of her before, and so I did a little bit of research. And apparently, she um, she's kind of been known as this like. Uh, what what did quest love called her solapella called her called her a solapella singer because she first found a wide audience doing solo acapella songs just her in a looping pedal wow so checks out with bobby checks out yeah yeah it's like <laughs> definitely in the same zone but um yeah i mean th- there's definitely like a lot of stuff going on so this is like self kind of produced she's playing a lot of instruments on it um it's kind of interesting. I like the reviews have kind of been like, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a cool like debut album. The definitely the vibes are really strong. Yeah. Um, so I've been checking it out a little bit this weekend. I think it's totally cool. I think, I think I like, I'm kind of excited to hear like what her next thing is, you know, like this mm-hmm. feels kind of like experimenting in some different zones and like, and just kind of trying things out. So yeah. I think like the, I, you know, I think you can kind of see, all of that evolving into even a more kind of like a, like a more crystallized sort of idea or something, but very cool. Check it out. I hope you can forgive me by Madison McFerrin. What's next? Mm-hmm. Um, vastly different vibes. The Jonas brothers <laughs> released the album. Which um, one? The album? <laughs> that's the like, album. that's like the fact that university of Miami calls it, itself the you. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, uh, um, all encompassing. Yeah. Oh, brother. Well, that was like the, wasn't the um, uh, Boy Genius or something? Theirs was just called like the 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 record or something. Oh, yeah. Wow. People <laughs> are just, they're tired. People are out here tired. <laughs> but this album, according to The Independent, at no point does the album push for edge or originality. <gasps> Which I think is true, but I loved it. Yeah. It's it's called it says, but you'd have to be the barbecue Grinch to to deny (laughs) its lovingly crafted feel good vibes, pure, safe, sonic ketchup. Interesting. I love. But the thing is, it's not that original. Like it's so it's so pop. It felt everything follows the structure, catchy hooks, great choruses, great guitar lines, easy drum drum feels but you know what people listen to it's so great that's the thing it's so good if it ain't break broke don't fix it if it ain't break (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure spotify right now is like smooshing it together with like all the other barbecue like beach yeah 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 like like summer stuff yeah like all the what is it calvin harris or whatever all the calvin harris songs is just like smooshing it together with it Oh my god! For real though, like the minute you listen to it, I'm like, oh my gosh! I feel like I'm gonna go to like the beach or something. Immediately brought me back to like college days and being like, oh yeah, going to like out to like if I were a frat person to the frat party and I'm turning on the album. Yeah, yeah. I'm listening to the album. The album. Yeah. Anyways, check out the album, Jonas Brothers. And then we also have a song from Ed Sheeran, who's on the scene these days in more ways than one. Um, he put out his album Subtract, um, but this song is called Life Goes On, and it features Luke Combs. Um, and he's kind of dipping his toe into the country. I saw something that said country flair. Um yeah, and they they performed it live at the ACM Awards as a surprise duet. So he's doing his thing. And in terms of originality, I've been like reading that, or I guess maybe from him himself, but he has said that this latest work slash works um, are like perhaps the most 
personal or like honest in terms of the process at least so i haven't checked out his whole um album but it it seems like that's true based on what i have heard so very cool okay that's that's new music this week yeah ed sheeran's definitely having a moment for sure yeah yeah after he like protected us all from the the end of Western civilization <laughs> by winning his lawsuit last week. <laughs> um, very cool. So our extra credit uh, was I was like going back and forth about a couple like with a couple New York New Yorker uh, cartoons, but I posted this uh, on my Instagram. I think this week there was there's a there's a cartoon of like a a piano teacher and a student at the piano. The piano teacher says, keep practicing and someday you'll be able to play the two songs you remember at houses that also have pianos. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I was that's like, true. yeah, that's true. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> what? Cool. Well, that's, uh, that's the newsletter this week. Amy, would you be so kind as to read us out? I would be so kind. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And thank you for supporting 4A Music. Remember to like and subscribe. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, it helps us out a lot. And we would love to highlight your comments on next week's show. For more, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at 4A Music. Subscribe to our newsletter at 4amusic.substack.com and check out our website at 4amusic.com. Perfect. And Alex, what's our quote this week? Read the room. <laughs> John Legend. <laughs> John Legend definitely said that. Yeah. Um, it, we we probably are going to have a special sort of secret surprise guest host situation next week. So so stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you when we see you. We think you're super. Bye. 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 Wait, Charlie, can you hear the kids playing outside slash the music playing in the background? No. Okay, great. That's perfect.